0: Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host Robert Brass, and today on the show we have Dane Reese from the You Booked It podcast. Dane has been in the entertainment industry as a singer and a dancer for more than 16 years, and he's now giving back to all the people out there that are aiming to get their name up in lights. Dane knows exactly what it means to hustle hard for work in one of the most competitive industries on the planet. Let's get started. G'day, everyone. I trust that you and your family are well and your business is also doing well. If this is your first time here at the Go All In podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here. This podcast is for you if you're just starting out in business, maybe considering a business, or you might have even been a seasoned entrepreneur for many years. My guests and I will give you the strategies and the tactics that you need to help you to close the gap from where you are to get you to where you want to be faster than you ever thought possible. To get there, you're going to have to work hard, learn some new things, but most of all, you're going to have to go all in. And I created and I do this show because there's nothing I like more than eliminating roadblocks and shortcutting the path to success. In fact, I can't wait to celebrate your success with you, so make sure you reach out to me via social media or email. Now, before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit the subscribe button there. And don't forget to ring the bell as well. That way you'll always have some motivation and some go all in love right there in your pocket lastly if you like what you hear today please share this episode with your friends and your family dane has got a really important message to share and he's got a pretty cool story as well and if we can help just one person to break through their barriers and to get unstuck then dane and i would have done our job here on the podcast today so make sure you give it a share Alrighty, let's get into the show today. As I mentioned at the top of the introduction, Dane is the creator and the host of the podcast called You Booked It. And this podcast is the number one in its category where you learn how to create a successful career in the entertainment industry. Dane's guests share their journeys through the industry and you'll discover the fundamentals and the niche Golden nuggets that actually help you to create a successful career in the entertainment industry. And what it does is it helps you to fill the gap between training that you receive and the real world. The really interesting part about all of that for me is that it doesn't really matter what industry that you come from. The lessons that Dane shares are applicable to every industry. Sure, it's nuanced to the entertainment space, but the concepts and the high level thinking that he and his guests talk about are applicable across all industries. In fact, I think because of the hyper-competitive nature of the entertainment industry, that Dane's advice and knowledge is some of the most valuable career advice that you could find out there anywhere, really. In addition to Dane running the podcast, he's been a professional entertainer for over 16 years and he's been singing and dancing and acting all around the world. And Dane's performed in nine shows on the Vegas Strip. He's performed in Australia, Italy, Germany, Canada, New York, and he sang as a feature soloist with renowned symphony orchestras. Dane has been on TV. He's been on the radio. He's an award winning mascot of all things. He's a corporate producer and he's an actors' equity performer and stage manager. This is by far one of my favorite interviews of 2020. I'm excited he's here, so please help me in welcoming Dane Reese. Dane Reese, welcome to the Go All In podcast. It's great to have you here. Right on. Thank you for having me, Robert. All right, man. It makes it always really easy to have a fellow podcaster on with some good headphones, a good microphone, and someone who knows mm. how the <laughs> flow goes, baby. So that makes it really good for me. Before we get into the, the Go All In podcast today and learn more about uh, your story and where your background is, let's find out about you a little bit. Where Where are you from, mate? And how long have you been in that entertainment industry that you're in?
1: Yeah, so I am originally from Missoula, Montana. Not a lot of people come from Montana. I think the whole state, it's like the fourth largest state, and I think we still have less than a million people in that entire state. It's crazy, but beautiful little town that I grew up in, and currently I'm actually not too far from you. I'm in Adelaide. Oh, no way. You're in Australia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife's Aussie. And uh, as far as the entertainment industry, I have been performing professionally for about 16 and a half years at this point.
0: A long time. Is that something that you always wanted to do as a little kid? No, not at all.
1: Uh, contrary to most people that are in this industry, they start off, you know, like we've got a little daughter, she's almost four, and she's already doing dance class, right? So that's usually how yep. the story goes. My story, I played sports my whole life. I was your standard jock. I played literally everything. I was really awful at uh, basketball, but I gave it a go for quite a while and everything else I played. And then late into high school, I got injured out of everything. I got concussed out of football. My mom's an ER nurse. I had my last one and she goes, nah, you are done. And then I would have needed elbow surgery if I would have continued playing baseball. And all of this happened in the span of only about four months time. Gosh. And up until that point in my life, I had literally uh, yeah. done some, something after school all the time, always busy. Right. And then I had zero, nothing. And I was bored out of my mind. And one of my sister's good friends at the time, she was over, her name was Chayla and she was a beautiful dancer. And she goes, Hey, Dane, we, uh, we need a guy to lift some girls in this Christmas show. You want to do it? <laughs> I had nothing going on. So I was like, shit, let's put, throw me in. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. And then I guess to make a long story short, I started off with the conservative hip hop and break dancing because that's not exactly something guys would do, the dancing in Montana at that time. Yeah. And it took me two, three months of figuring out that, you know what, I'm I really like this, you know. And so I just dove headfirst in, all in, if you will, into yeah. dancing and did everything I possibly could, threw myself into it and things progressed and here I am. It's been quite a journey.
0: It's really interesting because you've, you've kind of got both sides of it there. You talk about sport and most kids grow up playing sport, but then other kids grow up performing and doing those things. But the kids that grow up performing don't necessarily play sport. So you've had exposure to both of those things was the, the entertainment and the dancing side of it. Was that similar to sport? Did you find the kind of the progression similar? Did you find what were the people like? Was it different? Yeah, it's a
1: very different crowd. It's a it's a much more touchy feely crowd, <laughs> oh. <laughs> in, in emotional and fun. Uh, I prefer it. I mean, I enjoy all of it. Right? I always loved playing sports. Yep. But what I found when I was growing up and in all these sports, I grew really fast when I was a kid. So I was always the taller one. Now I'm five ten. Now people, of course, have continued going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and so through all of that, they, because I was taller, because I was muscular and more strong than everyone, I was good at everything. And I was just talented at sport. Right. So because of that, I got a lot of attention from the coaches Mm. and a lot of praise for being good at sport. Right. And that was great. And what I realized though, as I was going into high school and it was getting a bit more serious is that I was really only doing these sports because I was good at them. Not necessarily because it was something that fulfilled me or was I was passionate about, but I was good at them. So I was like, "It's still, I still enjoy doing it." But I, I really, truly, thinking back on it, didn't have that same passion that so many of my friends had and still do for sports. It, I just don't have it, right? And all of a sudden, I got concussed, and it was such a blessing to kind of stumble into this arts world, and I realized, oh wait, I can take all of. My coordination, all of my physicality, mm. because dancing and performing is v- outrageously physical. And I can perform and have fun. I, in a, I found like this perfect blend of everything all in one package.
0: Yeah. And it's fulfilling as well, you know, just doing it because you're trying to win a game or you're trying to win a, a round or a series or a match or something like that
1: yeah 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 you have the audience you i mean that huge exchange of energy when you're when you're doing live theater and performance or you're on stage and you're speaking to people right you you feel that you vibe that energy coming from the audience and you're giving it out it's such a cool experience to have that and that i think is really what hooked me and it was just so much fun people people show up not knowing really what to expect and they leave Excited or sad or something, they went on some kind of crazy emotional roller coaster, right? And you helped guide that and do that for them, and I think that's so cool. And you got to share in that moment.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. You, you describe it really well. I love how you describe the exchange of energy with the crowd and whatnot as well. You kind of get yeah. that in a game of sport, but it's not the same. I I know uh, in my in my younger days in the military, I got exposed to a lot of instruction, and eventually, as your career progresses, you start to do the instructing, right? Um, and Right towards the end of my career, I was lucky enough to be posted to the parachute school, and uh, we would have like 300 baby paratroopers walk in, and yeah. I would have to give lessons to these <laughs> folks. Yeah, it was short and sharp, you know, I had to, to take the fitness assessments and do things like that. But you've got exposure to a large group of people, or a larger mm. group of people, who are kind of hanging on every word that you're saying, listening to what you're doing, and following the instructions that you're giving, like that. It was kind of my first sort of exposure to public speaking, I suppose, in a, uh, in a bigger form that wasn't just 10 or 20 or 30 people. It was a couple of hundred people mm. like that. And as my entrepreneurial career kind of blossomed and progressed, I've done all sorts of audiences and had all sorts of exchanges on stage with three, 400 people at a time like that. And, and it's really, really fun. And it's a different type of energy. It's a different yeah. kind of thing that happens. And I love that as well.
1: Yeah. Very, very cool. I 100% agree. I think being on... People always talk about stage fright, right? And it's it's a bit nerve wracking. And that's what I love about going on stage. Even, you know, being on a podcast, being here talking to you right now, it's still in a way a performance, kind of. Yeah. It's, you still kind of have those, those jitters. And even though I've performed in hundreds, thousands of okay. different productions, I never lose that little bit of like, ooh, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of nervousness. It's fun and I love that and you feed off that and that's what you get to kind of roll with. And, ah, I get stage fright. I definitely, you know, gone up and blanked completely on stage, forgot full chunks of choreography, but that was earlier in the career. It happens, right? And it's okay, but you have those experiences and I think the payoff when you're on stage and when you're getting to communicate with people there's there's not much better than that in my opinion
0: such a high i love it i love it i'm looking forward to uh getting into some more of that uh shortly All right, Dane. Well, thanks for uh, sharing a little bit of that on the front end of the show here. People, come on over to the Go All In podcast, mate, to learn more about others that have gone all in. Yes. Good, mate. Could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success?
1: For sure. I would say this is in a two-part, kind of a macro and a micro of going all in. And it would kind of piggyback the macro. Let's start there. It kind of piggybacks on kind of my event, my journey into being an entertainer um, and really realizing, starting off with being good at sport but not really being passionate about it and then finding the arts and being like, wow, this is amazing. And what I really found is that what I really went all in on with myself at 17 and a half years old was myself. Mm. And I think that's super huge. And for me is the reason I really choose to go all in and on myself is because it gives me control over my life, over my decisions, the outcomes, the things that happen in my life. Because look, life's crazy, right? There are so many factors that are out of our control. The stock market, though, anything, right? Life, people driving on the road, everything is out of our control. And you can go crazy worrying about it. And then as an entertainer, I mean, Constantly, we are auditioning, putting ourselves in front of panels all the time. And we're just a little cog, a puzzle piece in a giant production, mm-hmm. but we have to bare our souls, everything to try to land a gig, right? And having that experience, if you focus on all the stuff that you can't control, you will get burnt out, you'll go insane, and you, you'll you just be done. You can't, you can't hack it, because there's too many other variables. So going all in on myself, Controlling what I can control is everything to me. Um, I guess the caveat, of course, the, the double-edged sword of that is that you also then have to take responsibility for everything, yep. right? That's, that's the catch. And you have to be okay with that and know that that's what you're signing up for. Um, I mentioned in a little pre-conversation about how you had Grant Cardone on the show, right? He, I believe in one of his books, he talks about, hey, if you get rear-ended, that's your fault, man. You're in that specific time in history because of decisions you made, they put you there. Right. And I remember reading that and going, Oh, that's it, man. That's, that's totally it. And that's kind of like the epitome of taking responsibility for everything. And I love that. Um, but in the beginning of my career, as far as going all in the specific examples, when I started dancing, I, like I said, I started with that hip hop break dancing thing, being conservative, dabbing my toes into it, and then realized I wanted to do it. And I said, all right, if I'm going to do this, Let's do it. I put my everything into my schedule, like every single dance class. I had a, a gap from like five to six and there's a flamenco class on. I had no idea what flamenco was. And I said, all right, let's do flamenco. Let's learn it. Okay, let's go. I joined choirs. I did everything. I joined community theaters. I got involved with the entire scene, the entire industry in small little Missoula, Montana to absorb as much of that as I could. I walked into the studio for the first time and we were maybe a month or two of, Beginning to dance, and they're like, "Hey, we're going to this dance competition. Do you want to go?" I said, "Sure." I don't even know what a dance competition is, but I said, "Let's do it." Yeah. And it was such a new thing. I had 180 basically my life. I go to my parents, and they say, "Hey, I'm going to do this dance competition thing." It it costs a lot of money because that's it's just a very expensive uh, hobby, if -hmm. you will. And they're like, "Uh, this is weird. It's kind of full on." no, we're not really going to help you out too much. I said, okay, fine. I'll figure it out. I didn't have any money because I was a broke high school student. Yep. And over the next two evenings went out, fundraised for myself, got the money, went and did it. I was terrible, but it didn't matter Yeah, because I went out and did it. And then same thing, getting into the Boston conservatory. I first went to university, um, as well, I went for vocal performance, And then I was also the mascot of the school where I actually won the capital one national mascot of the year award for being (laughs) the best collegiate mascot in America. Um, but I wanted more, right? I said, I'm really liking this. I like this training. It's good, but there's so much more out there. I need to, I need to go more on me, focus on me. What do I need to do to build myself up so I can have a career in this? Cause this is what I want. Mm. So I looked around, I found the number one school in the country for musical theater, Figured out it was the Boston Conservatory. Great! I was in some boring class, very unmemorable at the at the university. After the class, skipped the next one, sat in the lobby, filled out the application, booked my ticket to Chicago so I could do the audition, booked my audition, and then about a month later, did that, got the got into the school. And moved my life out east. And then same thing. We went to New York. Life did his crazy things. I've moved to Australia for a year because that's what worked uh, with my life and with my wife. And then we're like, you know what we need to do? Vegas. We had one connection in Vegas that kind of helped us a little bit. But no, it's on your own. You just show up and do what you need to do to make it happen. And we just moved to Vegas. Been fortunate to be in nine different shows in Vegas. And then loads of other things just kind of kept branching off of that. And ultimately that led me into, I guess the micro part of my go-all in is the creation of my podcast, You Mm -hmm. Booked It. And now this is a newer development. It's a COVID baby, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) I I uh, yeah for sure. I launched my first episode June 17, 18, Mm -hmm. somewhere around there. But as of today, I have already recorded
0: 153 episodes. I was going to say you're up around 150. You've been busy recording podcasts. For sure. But it's
1: great and I'm loving it. And I do one every single day, right? But I created this podcast and I knew I needed to do something that was impactful, Mm -hmm. right? And I needed to keep this trend of just doing, Tried. I I said, I said, look, I'm going to make the best podcast in my niche Mm. that I possibly can, be the best and offer the most actionable, real value that people can extract from it. Because I saw a lot of, well, before I really developed and created my script and all those things, I, of course, did some research, right? And I looked around, and I go, oh, there's a lot of people interviewing entertainers, but there's no one that really, one, is interviewing people from all across the industry. And two, nobody that has like a really solid, definitive, clear objective of what they're trying to accomplish in their episode. It's, yeah. I love, I love a good open conversation, long form podcast. I love those. But what I wanted to create was something that great, created real actionable insight and takeaways, like a, a mini masterclass, if you will, from every single episode. Yeah. So people could really learn from this content because I remember, After I went to that number one school in the country for musical theater, got myself into $120,000 of student debt. Mm -hmm. I had an incredible skill set, but I didn't know how the hell to use that in the real world. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we figure it out, right, over time. And the ones that figure it out better obviously stick around in the industry. But I was like, there are so many things that no one ever talks about. We need to have these conversations because i would have these conversations with castmates people on gigs and we'd always there'd always be these little one-on-ones right but no one was doing this on a large scale i was like i need to fill that gap because there's so many people i think that are aspiring entertainers that are or they just quit too early you know and it's for a multitude of reasons but i think if they had just a handful of the information that you can get from one of these episodes it could help them propel them into their career so they could have a sustainable career in the entertainment industry, because it's a crazy industry. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but also the current pros, the people that are in it, because so many people, look, as an entertainer, your life ebbs and flows. You're not gonna be the same dancer you were at 40 as you were at 20.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. No, you're gonna bring a lot of finesse and wonderful experience at 40 years old that a 20-year-old just doesn't have. But the 20-year-old has way more energy and can do different things it's your body's just broken down a bit more over that those years right and a lot of people go look i can't do it anymore i don't want to do it anymore but i don't want to be a realtor and i don't or i don't want to sell insurance i want to be in the arts i want to be artistically fulfilled so i found people to have those conversations with where we can go hey how do uh how did you transition out of your career that you're still doing the arts? How did you transition from being a dancer on Broadway to doing whatever it is you're doing now mm-hmm. and still be fulfilled. And uh, I've really gone so all in on that podcast because I've realized, look, I knew it was going to be a good time. I was gonna be talking to entertainers, my people. It's yeah. gonna be fun. Yeah. But I didn't realize that it was going to take on this kind of life of its own and be such a vital resource for so many people like us.
0: It's really, it's really great, mate, and and kudos and congratulations to you for oh, thank you. getting such a long way in such a short space of time. It's it's great to hear, and, and it sounds like you got your story dialed in beautifully as the podcaster as well. You know, that's always the challenge is to be able to articulate your story and when you're being interviewed and whatnot to be able to get that right um, and to make sure your message is on point as well. So you you right on point there. And as I was listening to, you, I was listening really carefully to the start of your story how as you left as you were leaving school and you left school, you went Mm. all in on yourself. And then you finished with talking about the podcast. So it feels to me very circular. It's like you've come all the way around full circle. What what does it feel like to you to now be giving back to that industry, to be giving back to people that were once like or that are like you, you were once there, everyone starts somewhere. And the people that are attracted to a show like yours are the folks that are getting started and kicking off and maybe, you know, teetering on the edges of I'm going to chuck this in, it's too hard. But then yeah. they listen to something that you're talking about, or hear an interview, or something like that, and they're like, "No, I can keep going." That give them, give them gives them the motivation to keep moving forward. What's that feel like?
1: Oh, it's it's fantastic. Honestly, I didn't. I it's a feeling that I didn't expect. You know, I I like I said, I went at it thinking, you know, is there a way I can fill that gap between training and the real world? That was that was like my initial like. Mission statement, if you if you want to call it that. How do I do that? And I started off creating a talk, right, that I would go into schools and or programs and and give that talk. But and that's a great talk. But I was like, I'm still just one guy. Yeah. And this industry is so huge. How do as much as experience as I've as I've had as much of a diverse career as I've had, it's still just me. I need to talk to more people. So that's what really what inspired creating the podcast. And you're right. It really has, it does feel full circle because I've had, I had some great mentors and some great people in my life that helped me out in the beginning that helped guide me a little bit. Um, but I just want to give back more and, and one up that, you know, is as much as possible. And I think sharing if ever information is so vital because especially in the entertainment industry, it's, so many people covet information in our industry they think "Ooh, if i if i don't tell people about this audition or if i don't let them know about this lead or however this this job that's coming up then you know i'll have a better chance and that's just not true mm. it's you bring what you bring to the table and someone else brings what they bring to the table if you too could literally be cast if you could technically do the thing right that's the baseline baby that's 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 it yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna book the job because of all the stuff that you can't control. So there's no reason for anybody to covet information, especially in the entertainment industry. And it feels so good to to share and you know have people write to me and get testimonials and reviews and it's so fulfilling. And like I said, I didn't expect it. Right? I I knew it was gonna be valuable. I thought it would be valuable, yeah. but it's been so fulfilling and uh, and so humbling to. See those things come in and be like oh this is this is great this is this is becoming bigger than i am simply some fun conversations and I'm loving it.
0: Mm, yeah, I absolutely have the same experience as a podcaster as well. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about starting a podcast, go right ahead and do it because mm. you just never know where it takes you. And 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 look at you, mate, you're 130, 150 episodes into it. Um, and it's really growing and developing a life of its own and, and getting somewhere. I think it's not until you you bump up around 250 episodes that it really starts to accelerate and gather some momentum. Um, The the interesting numbers I was reading the other day, there's more than a million podcasts now. Yeah, but about half of them haven't had an episode uploaded in the last 90 days. Really? Yeah, so that means that about half the podcasts that are out there have died. And part of that reason is because it takes so much effort and energy to actually create a podcast and keep the momentum of what it is that you're doing. And people ask me all the time, you know, Rob, how do you keep doing that? Because I do this, this show and two other shows and I freelance for someone else as well. So I'm kind of full-time podcasting yeah. and talking on a microphone and talking nonstop. <laughs> and they're like, how do you do that? And it's like, do what? And the reality is it's exactly what you're just describing is it's very, very easy for me to do because the conversations that I have are just natural and normal. And yeah, all I'm really doing is sitting in front of a camera and pressing a button and recording the conversations I'd otherwise be having anyway. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it's kind of cool in that respect. I like it, man. So well, well done to you. Well done and, and kudos to you, man. It's, you're doing really well. Kicking ass. Oh, it's great.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I mean that's one hell of a go all in story and really appropriate and applicable as well I'm going to make sure that my uh my 17 year old son listens to this he'll be 18 in the next two weeks in the last bit of high school uh wondering what to do still doesn't know he doesn't want to go to university kind of um he hasn't been sidelined from sport but he's not really ever going to play sport professionally anyway so I'm going to say hey I've listened to this Dane fella. He, yeah, uh, yeah. Lean on himself, and that's what you should be doing, young man. So um, that's kind of inspiring for me, and, and I'll definitely be sharing this with him. So thank you for sharing that story, mate. My pleasure. Thank you, mate. Uh, I wanted to just just dig a little bit deeper about your podcast before we kind of move off that. And um, who, who is the show for? Who who would who would be attracted to the show? For sure, I say
1: it's two people primarily. Well. I'll say three. Actually, it is the big, the big, big, big one is aspiring entertainment professionals, people that are in I'm thinking in my brain around 16 years old, when a lot of people that have been training in dance, whatever the art, whatever the craft is. Right. Been training in that and they're going, okay, I'm getting pretty good. And I'm getting pretty serious about this. I think I could actually do something with this. Because up until that point, m- most people have that epiphany when they're, you know, seven years old or eight years old. That that was my wife, right? She knew from you know, as soon as she could dance, she was like, I am going to be a professional dancer. That's it. Mm. But I think a lot of people they get good at it and then it clicks one day and they go, Ooh, I can get paid to do that. You serious? Yeah, I'm gonna do that. And I think that happens around. That's 16, 15, 16 age, right? So it's about those people that are in studios that are uh, going to class, really starting to get serious about their careers. Students that are in those performance arts high schools, and also people that are in the conservatory, the university, you know, programs that are for the performance arts. All from that range up, everyone that's really has made that commitment with themselves to say, I am going to do this for my life. Nice that's the, that's my core, core, core demographic. And then it is about the people that are currently in their careers. And this is because it's so good. We talk a lot. Well, my guests talk a lot. It comes up again and again and again. So it's clearly a fundamental through line of what creates a successful entertainment career is the mindset of being an entertainer. And We all need that. We all need some motivation. We all need some mindset re-check-ins, right? Every once in a while, if they're not a habit with you, then I would suggest you try to make it one. But we we always need to, it always is helpful to check in with what other people are doing, get some good advice, get some perspective on things that is outside of your brain. And a lot of my guests really hit on the mindset of what it takes to be an entertainer, to go into those rooms, to bare your soul, Mm. and to... Be told no, and to fail again and again and again and again, and then go back into the next room and act like nothing happened, and give one hundred percent, one hundred percent of yourself again to that next panel of people. It's hard work. Mm. On top of that, you know the the income disparity, the the feast or famine that can happen. But we also talk about financial literacy and how important that is as a professional entertainer. So there's so much information that also once you're in the meat of your career. The podcast is so valuable as well, because there's people that have been there, done that, screwed things up, yeah, and have learned from it. And they're trying to go, hey, do this. It's gonna save you a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of heartache. It's gonna keep you, it's gonna help you create a sustainable career in this industry. And that's that's a huge, that's a huge ask. That's a huge feat to do for anybody in the entertainment industry. It's like being an entrepreneur, you know? It's I was going to say
0: it's yeah. There's it's a, so many um. There's so many parallels there. There's so
1: many parallels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost identical. Actually, the only difference is that we are the product and service being sold. We're not selling a product and service that is
0: outside of ourselves. So you know, my my experience as an entrepreneur has been very very similar to what you're describing. Yeah. The only difference is that I'm not necessarily auditioning for uh, a part in a show or right. for something that you would have in the entertainment industry. What I'm a, auditioning for is a sale. And every time I get in front, you know, I've been in front of, um, you know, boards of 30 or 40 people presenting and pitching. And likewise, you know, you've been in front of a a smaller group of maybe 10 people or two owners or something like that. And you, you're quite right in the way that you describe, you go in there, you give it your all, you bear your heart and soul to these people, um, you know, and, and you're not, desperate for the business, but you need the business. You want to do the business because otherwise it's feast or famine. It's really interesting. The parallels that you have there. So
1: many, and you, and again, you have to focus on what you can control because you go into that boardroom and you go talk to the business owners or whoever you're trying to pitch and you can't control all of the factors. They have a set of problems that are way beyond the the things that you could have even
0: researched. Yeah.
1: So you just got to do you and know you did your best work. And that's also when you do your best work mm, is when is. you aren't freaking out about it. Every, this is a cool, uh, a cool fundamental, a cool thing that always comes up. I talk, I have a question in there. I go, what is your, uh, your favorite booked it moment saying, what is the thing that you, your biggest gig or job that you ever got? I would say nearly 100% of the time, everyone will say, I went in there and I felt like I was so calm. It was so easy. I wasn't nervous. I just went and did it. And it was, they left light, you know, and that story, that feeling comes up again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And I can, I'm sure that you can relate to that. Those, the pitches that you booked and you landed and you made that sale, you're like, man, nailed it.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. you almost and, have a feeling you, when you walk out of the room. Yeah. And you look back at the ones that you missed and you think, why did I miss that so badly when mm. that was so easy? And yeah. Wh- what am I doing? And you always reflect upon those things and and see those things. It's such a metaphor for life. I I love it. One of the one of the favorite things that I, I came across as I was doing a little bit of research for this interview, because I was listening to your podcast as well, is you you talk about how to get the entertainment industry to work for you rather than you working like a crazy person in there. And I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts on that because I, I think in some ways, again, you know, you're talking about a specific niche, a specific industry, but these things apply across life, really. Yeah, certainly. It- and if, if you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, you know, what industry you're in, it doesn't really matter because I know what you're about to say, Dane, is going to be applicable to all of it. But let's talk about the entertainment space and how, how can you get that industry to work for you rather than you working like a crazy person?
1: Yeah, I think the best way to do it is to be clear on what you want. To start there. <laughs> Have clarity. Because this is a question, this in my talk, this is something that I, I will say people go, well, where do I start? You know, the first thing you need to do is go, okay, what do I want out of my entertainment career? No one asks themselves this question. I didn't ask myself this question for years, for years. Crazy, hundreds of thousands of dollars spent in years. Mm. Crazy. And no one asks it. And of course, what do you want out of the entertainment industry is, is, of course, a metaphor for insert whatever it is that you do. Yeah. And be clear because- In the entertainment industry specifically, do you want to be on Broadway? Do you want to be a film actor? Do you want to be a musician? Do you want to travel? Are you okay picking up your life at a moment's notice and flying across the world to wherever contract might be? Mm. Some people are, some people aren't. Are you okay with, do you have a risk tolerance where you're like, you know what? Freelancing is the jam. That's what I want to do. I want to work for a lot of different people, lots of different experience. Do you have that ability to take on that risk or- do you need that, that regular employee, steady paycheck job Yeah. clear with yourself because different markets lend themselves to different types of work and being clear on that can guide you where you need to go because New York city and Broadway is not the end all and be all LA is not the end all and be all no market is, mm. but you have to make the industry. You go where you need to go for yourself personally and that way you're never beating your head against the wall you're not climbing uphill all the time there's so many people doing the broadway grind that they're just and at some point you gotta go is this really what i want yeah And i realized that quickly fortunate i was i realized it quickly that i i went to the boston conservatory realized you know this school was broadway or bust that is that is the training that is the way it gets instilled in you in that school and i went to the city with the uh perception or the idea that that's what I wanted. But what I really realized very quickly was that I just wanted to entertain. I didn't care what that meant. And what I knew I certainly didn't want to do was be a waiter full time and pretend I was an entertainer. I wanted to entertain. That's what I wanted out of my life. So I think getting clear on what it is that you want, that is how you shape the industry towards you, because when you go into those rooms for the job interview, the audition, whatever that is, you're in alignment with what you need to be doing. And that passion for what you do and the energy you bring to the table, that comes through. The people looking at you, the people that can hand you a contract, hand you money, hand you that sale, that gig, whatever that might be. They see that. That's attractive. That makes you more successful. And then you build on that momentum. And- it makes you attractive as a person, and not just like "ooh, you're so good looking," but you as you, your being, you, yeah. someone that people want to be around and people want to work with.
0: Yeah, absolutely, be- it's beautifully, beautifully articulated, and uh, once again, metaphor for life and for career. Who would have thought that the entertainer as a 17-year-old would end up as a career advisor?
1: <laughs> that's, that's what happened. Not me. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> here,
0: here, here it is. Here it is. Uh, one of the things that uh, maybe it's a bit of a metaphor and, and please feel free, free to uh, to stomp on it if you like and correct me because uh, I'm not from the entertainment industry. Of course. Right? Background of course. The is the military. Um, but what happens if you're working away diligently and as you say, it's Broadway or bust or, or it's your career or what would you say to somebody if that big break doesn't feel like it's ever going to come.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think you need to just be honest with yourself and see what's happening. I think it's good to keep stats, keep, mm. keep information uh, available. Maybe it's as complex as or specific as having uh, like an Excel sheet and a chart, but, or maybe it's just a journal. You know but somehow be able to track what you have done and what you've gone out on if you've gone on a million auditions or if you've gone to x amount of interviews or figure out where things kind of went well or even if you didn't book the gig you can still get a vibe and an energy of you know what they liked me i got called back i got a bit further along in this process maybe maybe that's where I need to go. Maybe I need to find more work kind of like that. For instance, maybe you kept on going for that, the leading man role and but you keep getting called back for like the best friend or the the comic relief guy or the character actor. Well, don't keep beating your head against the leading man just because you want it. Mm. If the, if the, if the market, the whole world likes to pigeonhole people and it's hard to get out of and to get out of that box. And sometimes you have to listen a little bit. I'm not saying pigeonhole yourself, but go, okay, no one's telling me that I'm the leading man, but I'm getting some traction over here. Maybe I need to go over here. And then from there, go, all right, well, is this where I need to be? Is what What is in this world? Is, does it, is it just New York? Is it just Broadway? Mm. Or are there other ways? Is there our cruise ships? Are there what other work in the world is there that would still suit that need? I think that there's a place for everybody within this industry and a place for your level of skill set and what you can bring to the table for sure. And you can make a living out of it, but you need to also be honest with yourself. And if you have trackable results, whether it's a journal or something, don't just listen to your mind in the moment. Cause that'll fool you. Yeah. You know, it's good to feel on a high and everything like that, but be a bit more results oriented and see what's happening. And that can kind of steer you. I, it's tough. It's a, it's a hard question. And, and if it feels, you know, maybe it feels like you're giving up on your dream. Sure, mm. that might be happen. I mean, I've, I've started businesses where I was like, this is gonna work. And I'm like,
2: rah, rah, rah. and it just
1: doesn't, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know, I gotta be, it's gotta be done. Yeah. Gotta be done, move off, reassess, take everything that I learned from that experience and go, how do I apply what I learned and move it into something that's better? That's more in alignment with what I want to do. Mm. And it's at some point you have to, you have to adjust for sure. You have to pivot, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Do it intelligently. I'll, yeah. And, and be methodical about the way that you do it as well. I, I love how you, you said, don't pigeonhole yourself, right? Another kind of way that I describe that is don't put a label on yourself mm. and don't, don't, because you start something and you just never know where it's going to end up. And like you i have been involved in many sure. businesses and deals before where I'm scratching my head going, well, this is not what we agreed to, to begin with, but it's working incredibly well. Am I, did I get into it to do this? No, but yeah. it's working. We're making some good coin and we're getting ahead and things are, are doing what they're supposed to in, at the end of the day. So, you know, h- how it occurs, how you get there, there's no right or wrong. There's just an outcome, right? And sometimes the outcome is favorable. Uh, and sometimes the outcome is not as favorable as you would want it to be, but that's great well, sure. advice to, uh, to hold on to a journal and, and reflect on how it all happens. Tell me, mate, what's the, uh, what's the biggest audience that you've, you've entertained for?
1: Ooh, is
0: there something that stands out? Maybe not a big audience, but like a really a good one, a, some incredible energy. What's tell, tell me about some experiences? Oh gosh, journey. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, ooh, well, the biggest consistent audience that I ever got to perform in front of when I was was when I was mascoting. Right. It was around twenty two thousand people. What were you dressed as? A bear, a grizzly bear, and he's awesome. He. <laughs> so the helmet is a. Uh, is a hockey helmet. Yeah. So what's really clever about that is most mascots they're so big and fumbly you can't do anything. Not in do them. anything. Yeah, yeah. This guy you could do everything. It's just like wearing a helmet and then some stuff around it. <laughs> I could do. I could tumble. I had a motorcycle. I had smoke. It was a whole arena, like huge opening and. Every single game, every single football game, like vroom, vroom, out out the tunnel, through the smoke, drive around all the people and all the band playing and then did this huge thing in the center of the of the field and like got 22,000 people to interact with me, which yeah, wow. was bonkers. And I got to do that every single weekend, which is insane. <laughs> um, as far as like performing and singing on stage, I had a wonderful, incredible experience. I was singing as a soloist with the Ottawa Philharmonic. Well, it was the Ottawa Pops. Um, and I was up there with an amazing conductor. His name is Jack Everly. He's brilliant. If you ever get, if you ever are in the world and you see Jack Everly on the ticket as the conductor, go. He's amazing. Mm. Uh, but I had, so I'm sitting there in my tux, you know, cause it's, it's all formal and stuff. And standing there in my tux and there is Jack. And then there's a, I think about a 70 piece orchestra. And then there's a 100 person boy choir behind that. And we're singing Les Mis and on the stage. And then the audience, I think that that house is around 2000 people, insane. So cool to have, I mean, I think you sing live with bands, sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's way cool. It's such a good experience versus Having just live or like a track, but to have that kind of support and sound behind you, oh, like it's giving me chills just thinking about it's, it's it. Right now, it's giving me goosebumps just when uh, you say it. Like,
0: wow, I can just visualize it in my mind. You know, it's,
1: yeah, what a cool experience! And to be in a in a venue that is just top notch. You know, mm-hmm. everyone is just so good uh at what they do. But I think that that would probably be like my whoa this is amazing moment.
0: That's, that's <laughs> one that really sticks out. Tell, tell yeah. us, tell us about a, a low point where you forgot some choreography or something a little bit funny that really stands out because, you know, you, you get to those places in your career and people kind of look when you arrive and they're like, man, how did, how did he get there? How did she do that? And you know, everyone starts somewhere and everyone makes mistakes along the way. And, and, and maybe if you could be a little bit vulnerable and share something funny that happened on stage, you forget, ever forget your lines or forget the lyrics or you forget the dance moves. Or uh,
1: yeah. I've definitely forgot the dance moves. I, <laughs> I've done that many times. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it, part uh, of the course, right? It,
1: exactly. You do something long enough, it's yeah. going to happen. Uh, but I did, I've done a lot of swinging. So if you're a swing in a show, that means you learn multiple tracks. Mm-hmm. So if someone gets injured, you can just boom, jump right in, do the choreography. It's usually similar choreography, but maybe it's reversed or it's definitely in a different part of the stage. And it's just crazy on the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's cool because it works your mind in a different way and that's fun. And but I have certainly gone out on stage and been I, what I can't remember what the show was, but I do remember being by myself on the like the downstage right end of the stage and there's no one around me and i was just full on full out choreography and everyone was elsewhere i was like shit
0: what are you doing over there
1: wrong track wrong part of the show (laughs) and then i remember another i was in baths uh at the palazzo in vegas and we had this big you know grand opening and then it's very dramatic. And then the lights come up and it comes into this huge, like uh, a little party never hurt nobody. That one from uh great Gatsby. Cause it was a kind of a Baz Luhrmann theme thing. And it was spectacular and sparkles and things. And literally it was uh, I had one little Charleston dance and then the first move right after one Charleston went down to my knee. And I heard, I heard, oh, I was nice. like, oh! and my pants split from <laughs> knee to knee <laughs> underneath and i was thinking to myself i'm like oh no i like reached up i was like whoop that's that isn't it okay here we go and (laughs) uh get to the stage and as i'm doing i'm going through the choreography doing everything i'm like okay i need to get this fixed i need to change my pants but the next 20 minutes of the show i'm lifting people like i can't leave the stage Mm. because if i'm gone then parts of the show just don't happen because you're needed there to be, to do lists and things like this and be part of these scenes and they're integral, right? So I was like, well, guess the tw- next 20 minutes, everyone gets a nice view. So <laughs> here we go. And, and you, you do, do it. And, just and you do it. You, yeah. you do what you got to do. And I had my moment, went off stage and, you know, as you're dancing, you're seeing the wings, you see some of the dressers like, ah, this. And they're like oh, okay. They ran down, got some more pants. And then when I had a moment, you know, run off stage, chuck them off, put the new ones on and back into it. <laughs> Did anyone say anything to you? no people have a bit of a giggle that's for sure but it's (laughs) it's really interesting because it's all it's all within
0: you and then but nobody else really cared
1: no 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 it's crazy yeah it's totally fine and then you know but then your castmates will see it and they'll they'll have a laugh they'll you'll be dancing and they'll say something to you and it's 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 funny but the thing is it happens to everybody at some point your costume has malfunctions and you blow something out and Everyone's been there, done that. And then it's your turn to point the finger and go, ha ha,
0: yeah. your turn. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard, man. Cause karma's like a bitch, right? It'll come back and bite for you. For sure, 100%. Hard, yeah. For sure, for sure. Hey, uh, what, what's, what's the future of the entertainment industry with this COVID stuff? We're, we're opening back up here in Australia. Victoria's mm. opening back up today. Um, you know, it seems like a, uh, a monumental thing. And it seems like we're still maybe six months away from returning to any sort of normality. What, what are you seeing for the future?
1: Well, I think Australia's done a brilliant job uh, compared to well compared to the states. They've they're like the gold of gold stars, um, and I think in the regards to entertainment and conventions and things like this, or having masses of people in rooms, it's going to happen here. I think much sooner than it's going to happen in the states. Yeah, uh, I know that there's a lot of. Uh, virtual conferences going on right now. Cause look, a lot of these companies, look they still need to have their sales meetings. Mm. They still need to have these trainings with people and they're happening. They're just happening in a digital format. Um, and it's, a bit strange, right? It's not the wine and dine, go to Vegas, have a good time and then learn on the side. It's show up and, you know, have your zoom meeting. Mm. Uh, but I think this is a very interesting time for the, inter- for the entertainment industry. And, I think what's really cool, especially in the States. So everything stopped, right? There's literally nothing going on. I think Broadway announced May, 2021.
0: Now they've it's pushed it
1: through that they're even considering opening. I mean, things can change, right? Who knows? It could be shorter. It could be longer. Nobody knows at this point. It's just pulling dates out of a hat. And the thing is that everyone that I've spoken with is that up until this point, so many people have just been hustling and working and the grind and the grind and doing it and doing it that a lot of people have not realized how exhausted they have been. <laughs> right? It's hard work to, to do this industry. And they go, whoa. They all, everyone freaked out for a while. They're like, oh, my God, where'd all the work go? But now it's time to get introspective a little bit and go, oh, okay. What is it that is this really what I want? Is this, is this hustle, this New York hustle or this Vegas hustle or this L.A. hustle? Is this what I want? Am mm-hmm. I achieving what? Am I getting where I want to get? And we have a, you know, unadulterated opportunity to just have that moment and sit there and think about it and not feel bad about it. And it's going to be great for a lot of people. I, I interviewed uh, a guy named Ben Simpson. He is a two-time Tony Award-winning producer, and he was saying, "Look, my daily life was just getting it done, just getting." the day to day done. It was so busy. He said, now I have the opportunity to read the scripts from the playwrights to listen to the music from the composers and people right now, artists are creating at an outrageous pace. There's so much going on that I think the entertainment industry is going to absolutely explode when everything comes back. And this is happening worldwide because not only is is all this content being created, Mm. That it's the people that have the money, have the connections, have the ability to make something and to produce that project. They have the opportunity to read and absorb that content and to find those really fantastic stories to produce and tell. It's going to be really cool, I think, on that front. Also, there's a lot of people in this industry that will just be leaving. Yeah, you know, They're going to be getting out of the industry, and that's totally cool. There's... I mean, for instance, my life in Vegas, the performance life, it was, it was pretty easy, if I'm honest, because I'd taken the time to develop a lot of relationships with a lot of different people in a lot of different parts of this industry that the calls just kept coming in. Mm. Or if I needed to audition, it was usually because I knew someone or I could make a connection with someone and I could get a private audition. Mm. Nice. Right. I wasn't having to really go to the big open calls. I wasn't having to get... Yeah, I did the hustle in, in insofar as doing lots of different things, right? But I didn't have to go prospect my work so much. That kind of found me. And there's a lot of people that'll be in that boat, but they'll go, you know what? I'm not down for the hustle anymore of actually going out and doing that grind anymore. And that's totally cool. That's If that's where they're that, in their life, fine. But what that also means is that there's gonna be thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are no longer part of this industry. And as inconvenient as it is that all these new upcoming aspiring professionals don't have an industry to work in right now, Mm. keep the training up, man, because there is so much opportunity that is just gonna explode as soon as we can go back
0: to this. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's a great optimistic view of uh, of one industry. And I think there's many industries like that. Unfortunately, many have fallen by the wayside and will never mm. return. Um, but there's many really good ones like that. What about for you, Dane? Uh, have you got something exciting on your horizon? Is is there some projects in the pipeline that have been on pause because of COVID? What, what's happening for you in the next 12 to 18 months?
1: Yeah, the biggest thing is my all-in micro. It is it is the podcast. It is doing that because it really is picking up steam. It really has become such a fantastic resource. I see that expanding into not just a podcast, but also, you know, more speaking opportunities and coaching opportunities and expanding on top of that, because I think it's not something I want to completely develop out and build out at this moment. The focus is creating that great content and getting things out. But I 100% see all of that Coming to fruition, coming together, and it's going to be also. I can imagine requested of my audience that to go, "Hey, what, what more do you have? What, what, what else can we get?" You know, and I think you had a similar situation while I was reading your uh, through your website that you were doing your podcast and people because you've got a lot of different programs as well, right? So yeah. people are asking for a bit more. You're like, "Yeah, I can, I can help you out." Mm. Yeah. So I'm really seeing that, and then
0: that's it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's exciting. I, I want to round, round out this uh, this part of the podcast here, this little segment here by asking you your signature question. What's your biggest booked at moment?
1: Ooh. All right. My biggest booked at moment, I would say is not even the, the uh, most important show or biggest show that I've ever done. Mm. But what was so special about it is that it really created my foundation in the Vegas market and is where I was able to branch out of from there I met I met all did all the relationships all the networking out of that uh, that one contract and that is what allowed me to have such a great career and experience in Vegas, and that was a show called Dancing Queen. It was an an Abba, Abba, however you want to pronounce it. Review, uh, as you can imagine, it was not high art. It was winning no Tonys, but it was a lot of fun. We had people on their feet at the end of the show, loving it, dancing that, and that's Vegas. You know, that's that's why you went there. They people want to get entertained, and we entertained them well. It was great, but that show was my first big show in Vegas and it was so much fun. And we had just gotten to the city. I remember I'd I had auditioned for a couple of different things. I had uh, auditioned for the gondoliers at uh, the Venetian. I wasn't mm-hmm. super keen on it, but look, you gotta you gotta make money. It showed up into a brand new city with nothing, right? Yeah. So you gotta make it work. I think I worked there for like four days and I booked the show and I was like, bye, I'm <laughs> I'm doing what I want to do. But that show was cool. So you went to the audition Big lineup, big queue, and you go in, they saw the girls and the guys, and then we all went in and it was super intense. I I had not really danced that hard for such a long time because up until that point, while I trained in dance, I was a good dancer, all of my professional work really up to that point was as a singer. And even my wife was like, I know you dance, but yeah, you're a singer, <laughs> right? And then I went into that audition room and got my butt kicked and it was so much fun and they did the cuts and they did the cuts and they did the cuts and it, at the end of it it was just a handful of guys in the room and then they called a few of the people up in the room they go all right guys nice work uh we'd like to offer you a contract to the show and we're like whoa because that never happens either you never get co- offered contracts in the room yeah, it's the usually always the audition yeah 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 you go and you go for callbacks you're expecting you're like you go up to the, the desk like hey we're gonna we're doing callbacks tomorrow we're gonna see a few more people we're gonna workshop some more things but no they're like no we want you i was like that's amazing i left the room and i said and my wife was auditioning for the show as well and i said i booked it she goes you what she goes i'm like yeah they just they said <laughs> i got the job and she goes that's ridiculous i said yeah yeah yeah, it's cool but that everything went on from there and doing that show really was so much fun because i got to meet all the people it was the first thing i did in vegas it was the hardest dance show at the time on the vegas strip and it really just proved to myself what i could do that i could just show up somewhere and go making it work and it was a huge confidence booster validation everything stamp of approval um on myself and it was really exciting to do that and like i said from there all it was really about the relationships that i built from that that one show that allowed me to be in nine different shows uh in the strip
0: yeah fantastic well done mate well done that's a great story thank you for sharing yeah Well, Dane, as we bump up against an hour here, mate, thank you so much for being so giving and sharing your wisdom on the podcast and and with our audience here today. I really do appreciate that. I can't let you leave the Go All In show, as you know, without putting you in the Go All In podcaster's hot seat. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of fun towards the end of the show. Uh, I always like to uh, to ask my guests you, you know yourself, been stuck here in Australia, that travel is something that Aussies love to do and you've traveled the world with work and um, yes. with what it is that you do. Is there somewhere that should be on my bucket list that might I might never have heard of?
1: Ooh, gosh, that you might not have heard of. That's the tough one, isn't it? Um, take a cruise through the Chilean fjords.
0: Oh, gosh, in South America.
1: Yes, because, look, you can fly to most everywhere, right? You can, you can get off... I love that. I love the Chilean fjords because it's a few days that you can only experience on a boat. It's the yeah, only right. way.
0: Yeah, you can't see it any other way. No,
1: it's unique. It's so good.
0: Yeah, there is one caveat that I would put in there. I used to be in the navy, right?
1: Oh, uh, right. But did you see those?
0: <laughs> But it's very different going on a cruise ship than being on a warship. Oh uh, you know? yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: It's you a, see bit, some incredible a bit more places. wine and dine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice one. Nice one. My mum was down in Antarctica a couple of years ago and she oh, cool. was in and around all of those sorts of places in the bottom of South America. And yeah, some incredible, incredible scenery and stuff. So yeah, definitely I love it. It sounds really good. Tell me, mate, what's a what's a skill that you're working on right now that you haven't quite mastered?
1: Oh uh, I would say with my three-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> a little boy, a little girl.
1: A little girl, and she is a feisty one. Mm. I'm getting good, but I must say my wife is much better.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> challenging. I, I have a 14-year-old daughter, um, and I do recall what that's like. It takes between three and five years old for a little girl to find a place in the family unit um, yeah. in the world. And uh, I, I remember uh, I was seeing... I was watching these things on YouTube about tantrums, and mm. she would have these tantrums all the time. But not like you would think she's throwing herself on the floor in the supermarket or something like that. She would just be really um, resistant. It's like, come on, sweetheart, it's time, time to go, and she'd be like, no. I don't want to go. I'm not finished. And she just like dig her heels in. And one time I was, and I like to share this story for the parents that are listening to this. And maybe, maybe you can try it yourself. See if it works for you. Yes, please. <laughs> is that because I was willing to do anything, right? Cause had been yeah. like four years of this and like enough, you know, I was at my wits end like all parents and all parents reach that point. And so this psychologist said what you do before you, um, cause you know, this is about to happen as a parent. Cause you know, their behavior, what you do before you get there is you say to them, look, down at their level look them square in the face and you say now what i want you to do yeah what i want you to do is to have a tantrum just now yeah before we start before anything happens i want you to have your tantrum right now can you do that for me and they'll go me, <laughs> yeah come on you can do better than that like come on can't you throw yourself on the uh-huh. ground and scream and shout come on have your tantrum now and when it comes so it's kind of a little bit funny right it's a little game you play with little kids yeah. and when their tantrum comes What you say to them is you say, is that all you've got? (laughs) Because they think you're playing the tantrum game. It's like, come on, you can have a better tantrum than that. And you know, after probably two days of doing that, it stamped it out completely and she never had a tantrum again.
1: What? Okay. Thank you for that golden advice. It revolutionized my life. (laughs) Yes, I will be using
0: that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. See, See if you can try it with your missus too. Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. I've tried. Trust me. <laughs> All right, last one for the for the hot seat. What's the uh, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received, Dave?
1: Oh, uh, of business advice. Mm. Best piece of business advice would be to. Oh, I've gotten so many things. Be clear mm. on what you want. Be clear on be clear that that's what you want to do and that's the direction you want to go because you'll burn yourself out
0: yeah absolutely clarity clarity is king baby i love it i love it yes Mate, Thank you so much for coming on the Go All In podcast and sharing your story and your wisdom with the audience. I really appreciate it. Um, sometimes guests are, are really, really giving, and you've been exceptionally giving today, and I, I really do appreciate that. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, mate. If people want to connect with you and learn more about your podcast, what's the easiest way to do that?
1: Yeah, easiest way, go to, well, if you want to listen to the podcast, search You Booked It on literally any podcast platform mm-hmm. or if you want to connect with me on instagram go to at you booked it podcast or if you like the websites go to you send me an email send me a dm on instagram i am very responsive i'm on there all the time so ask away
0: Dane, that's awesome, mate. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on your phone, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to Dane's socials and his podcast will be right there. So make sure you pop on over to iTunes or to Spotify and check that out. And if you're watching on YouTube, just scroll on down and all the details are right there in the show notes. Dane, thanks again for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate it. I wanted to give you the opportunity for the parting shot. A little bit of wisdom from Dane Reese before we close out the show today
1: beautiful thank you so much for having me on it's been an absolute pleasure to be on your show and everyone i would say this ask yourself what it is you want out of your career whatever that is whether it's the arts whether it's business whether it's anything whatever it is that you do ask yourself what is it you truly want out of that start with the end work backwards
0: oh yeah i love it Thanks again for coming on, mate. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Dane, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to his website, socials, and his Insta are right there. So you're not going to have to go poking around or digging around in Google for him at all. Let me ask you, what are you doing to close the gap from where you are? to get you to where you wanna be. Have you got a plan? Have you got a system? Have you got some support and accountability in place to help you to get there? If you're just starting out in business, maybe considering a business, or even if you've been a seasoned entrepreneur for years, I've created a masterclass that will give you the strategies and the tactics to get you moving, to gather some momentum, and to help you to break through to the next level. If you'd like to find out some more about that masterclass, then hop on over to goallin.com.au and click on the menu item that says masterclass. And you can claim, and I've got a podcast special going on here today for you. You can claim a 30% discount off the price of the masterclass with the promo code 30OFF. That's three zero off. So just pop that code, in the promo section or the promo code section at the checkout to save yourself $44. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the Go All In socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it, and go all in. I'll see you next time.
2: A million people in the crowd Facing all the lights, and as the bass keep pounding on me, baby, I really wanna make you mine. I don't really care about.